Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Today's episode is brought to you by ModMed. Do your EHR and PM adapt to your style of practice? The ModMed EHR and PM do, with benefits like remembering preferences and automatically suggesting documentation and billing codes. Urologists voted ModMed the number one urology-specific EHR and PM solution available, built by urologists with input from yours truly. Stop wasting 60 minutes and 200 for each of your open or no-show slot. Go to modmed.com slash prsnetwork. Set up an appointment with the team at ModMed Urology and shift your urology practice into high gear. Imagine a solution on a tablet or the web that works seamlessly with revenue cycle management, analytics, telehealth, payment processing, patient engagement tools, and much more. ModMed is transforming healthcare by placing doctors and patients at the center of care. Welcome to episode 166 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And on today's episode, we're going to answer two more questions, two questions that came in to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Group. That is our free group that uh, we have uh, people, a free community that we have question and answers that come in so you can join that if you go to the episode page there's a link on how to join the urology coding and reimbursement group so if you go to prsnetwork.com forward slash 166 for episode 166 you will see a link there and you can join the group you can see what questions are being asked and ask questions yourself okay so today we are going to uh answer questions one is about uh injections given by an APP and the second one is debridement of uh, gangrene and how to code for that. So let's start with the first one. Um, The first question was uh, came in from Blanca and Blanca asks, are injections like Lupron and Prolia and the administration given by an APP subject to the 85% reimbursement, or are these reimbursed at 100% even if given by a nurse practitioner? All right. Okay, Mark, it's all yours. All right. Uh, so the, you know, this is a, we've, get, we've actually gotten a lot of questions recently about APPs and making sure you're billing correctly, which is, Probably commensurate with the number of APPs that are uh, helping us out in urology. And there's been a lot of growth with the APPs to support our shortage of urologists. So totally uh, excellent question. And it the answer is split. So if you are billing incident two, which certainly a lot of these uh, injections given by the advanced practice provider could be. If the so if the it's the physician's plan to have the patient on a Prolia and a Lupron 
and there is a physician uh, in the facility when that injection is given, and it's given by the APP or a nurse, uh, the PA or the uh, nurse practitioner, you could bill it incident two and get paid 100% for both the, the drug and the injection. But if there's uh, something that happened in the plan of care that actually had had switched it from the physician over to the APP, which happens frequently with patients who are under, you know, let's say they've got advanced prostate cancer and they've been in the care of a urology practice and uh, they popped in one time, the APP was following the physician plan of care and now all of a sudden they want to have their erectile dysfunction addressed. And the APP is the one who now puts the plan of care together um, for that patient with their new condition. And the, the combined condition of advanced prostate cancer and the erectile dysfunction now changes that plan of care going forward. So when the patient comes back uh, and they're seeing the nurse practitioner, they're no longer on the physician-established plan of care. And so the, the physician doesn't have a face-to-face interaction with the patient on that date. Then it's appropriate to bill the injection um, and the drugs under the APP. The APP's injection codes would be paid at the 85% reimbursement, but the drugs would still be paid at 100%. So that's kind of a long answer to the fact that uh, drugs and supplies, those J codes that are there and reported, are still paid at the standard rate. The discount only applies to the services administered by the APP when they are the billing provider. Question for you. We, uh, you know, every little bit counts. So are offices sophisticated enough? Are you seeing out there that they are actually making sure that they are scheduling the Lupron, Perlia, or whatever injections if being provided by an APP at the time that the, the provider uh, that has the plan of care established is in the office. Is that a, a, a scheduling, conscientious scheduling there? Are they trying to do that or do you see it as it just happens or doesn't happen? So I, in the end, what I see is it depends, right? The, it's the size of the practice, the number of locations that they have, all of those come into play and and ultimately every practice is a little bit different and you know yes everything matters and you want to make sure that uh, you've got you're following the incident to guidelines to the t which means your app's really need to understand what those incident to rules are and that's really that you know, since they're doing a lot of the patient interactions, they're the ones that need to know what's going on. And, you know, ultimately, if if you can bill it incident to, and it makes sense with your scheduling, then that is the higher financial reward. But the other side of the coin is, you know, to try and rearrange everything uh, so that your physician is not being productive at the same time the APP is being productive, that it does make sense to have the physician 
also producing at the top of their license at the same time. That's that's when it makes sense. If you're trying to juggle things around just to get that extra 15% and it costs the physician work, then you don't want to do it. So if you can keep the office running, if you're a solo practitioner and the APP can give these injections while the physician's in the hospital, then it's not worth billing the the incident too. It's better to keep both practitioners at the top of their license. Ray, comments? Yeah, uh, that's a good point, Mark. Back uh, when they first started changing the rules, there were a lot of urologists that were practicing alone. And, and unfortunately, we'd have some that were having their RN or nurse give the injection while they were in surgery. And so I have two questions for you, Mark, uh, to clarify things for everyone. One question is, if, if a doctor is not in the office and a nurse gives the injection, is the drug paid for in an audit? So technically, no. We're assuming there was no APP in the office. Correct. Um, correct. So basically, you have no billing provider in the office, which means that ultimately you do not have a, a way to truly bill those items. Now, there are there are some, a couple of codes under the general supervision rule that could be provided without the physician in the office, but those uh, services are few and far between. So, you need to kind of steer clear of those, th- those drugs and, and real procedures that are, uh, have uh, physician component supervision in there. But, you know, you do have a couple of things like nursing visits and PVRs uh, that don't have the requirement that the physician's in the office. But you need to understand where those are, um, where the d- direct supervision rules apply versus general supervision. And unfortunately, drugs don't fit in that category. So you need to have a, a billing provider in the office when drugs are administered for your Medicare patients. All right, now one clarifying question. Uh, Dr. A's patient is in, and Dr. A set up the uh, care plan for that patient. And the PA is giving the, or the nurse practitioner is giving the injection. And Dr. A is in surgery, but Dr. B, his partner, is in the office. Now, he's not the one that set up the care plan, but they can still build incident two, correct? Because they are following the care plan set up by a doctor. That is correct. They do look at physicians uh, in a practice as equivalent. So as long as it is a physician-established plan of care, it could be any one of the physicians in the same practice that could be the supervising or billing physician. All right. Okay. I think uh, we covered that. Let's move on to the next question. And the next question is by Lucy. And Lucy asks, are 11006 and 97606 appropriate, appropriate to bill for a wound vac when 
performing the operation of debridement for Fournier's gangrene. And I, I won't read the full note associated, but Mark, can you summarize what the procedure was and talk a little bit about uh, debridement and, and the wound back in the wound care? Okay. Yeah, so the, uh, the, the 11006 is a code that is appropriate for debridement of skin, subcutaneous muscle, and fascia for necrotizing uh, soft tissue infection for external veg, uh, genitalia, perineum, and abdominal wall with or without fascial closure. So that is the the description of that code. So if you're not working down to debriding bone, you know, as long as you're staying at skin, subcutaneous, muscle, and fascia, then this is the right code for that debridement. Obviously, if you're removing testicles or things like that, then you've got a little bit of, you've got to look at the other procedure codes that better describe those those services. So as long as you're just doing the, the debridement, then that's the right code. And I, and I did want to point out while we're talking about that code, that that is a zero day global. Um, now there are some LCAs and and uh, by that have been adopted by most of the Ma- the Max that basically state that they would say that it's unlikely that a patient would have this debridement done more than twelve times in a year, but you are going. I mean, this is an uh, uh, often a a case when you're dealing with these patients that you are doing this procedure more than once and you can bill it during that the the, you can start billing the next day if it requires it so that's the first thing to understand and then second thing is the wound vac that nine seven the nine seven six oh six um has a partner the nine seven six oh five both of those codes are based on the size of the wound. So when we read through this operative note, it was the it was pretty clear that the wound size was appropriate for the 97606 versus the 97605. So um, for those cases, uh, for her case, both codes were appropriate. But the, you also need to understand that there are uh, articles as well, uh, you know, the, actually, the article that discusses Fournier's gangrene and debridement it also talks about wound care. Now, general wound care for a patient is included in the procedure, um, but the wound vac does provide uh, or is an extra amount of work, and it does require more than a standard wound closure. So, Medicare does allow for billing of the wound vac in addition to the 11006, uh, but there are some documentation requirements that you'll need to make sure are in your note to support the use of the wound back. Now, in this case, she gave a fairly decent description of the fact that this was necrotic and uh, devitalized tissue. There was a sign of infection, um, and they did a good job of describing the wound volume, the surface dimensions and depth. Um, So those are things that are basic requirements, but then they also put in there why the physician felt 
that a wound vac was necessary in this case and some of the potential concerns related to the application of the wound back and where it was relative to other anatomy within the patient. So she did a good job or that that physician did a good job of documenting all that was needed in the medical record, but know that uh, the application of that wound back does trigger a potential documentation review. So you want to make sure you're putting in the size, the presence of all the stuff, the, the, the clinical reasons why you're going to use a wound back. And of course, do what you normally do, uh, describing well um, in, and in some detail what you're debriding and how deep you're going. And of course, size. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that was about my question. My question really is, one is for the documentation for reimbursement, and the second is for a coder looking at this, what are the keys to look for when, in a sense, the urologist doesn't routinely do a lot of wound uh, debridement and wound care uh, on a day-to-day basis? I, you know, it's it's within the practice, but not as uh, not as common. So a lot of coders don't may not have the experience, and a lot of the the providers may not have the experience documenting it what are the key things you mentioned location depth and size are those the three things that need to be discussed in the documentation and the three things that the billers and coders should look for to get to the right coding uh the right cpt code so so the the other one the one that you you left out was the uh, absence or presence of infection and the the necrotized or deep vitalized tissue. Um, those are things that I rarely see missed. Um, and so that is what a biller and coder should look for. And key words like necrotizing fasciitis, um, you know, or Fournier's gangrene. Um, those are good ones um, that it should drive you to start thinking this direction as a coder. Ray, comments? Well, for a coder to look at this, you know, they they need to recognize that the uh, application of the uh, wound vac is considered a separate procedure rather than it being a part of the wound dressing because wound dressing and redressing is always a part of uh, the the debridement. But if you look up the code 97606, it is payable. And if you check the bundling between the uh, the debridement and the vac, why it shows you can bill both, and that's the reason you can because Medicare has accepted this is a separate procedure and not just part of the uh, dressing. So the one thing I'll add to your comments, Ray, is this is a good one. Um, and, and through coding today, you can click your tab when you're on the uh, 11006 or the 97 codes and click your tab on the side when you're at the CPT code for LCA and find your Mac 
to find their specific local coverage directions. Now, again, most of them are the same, but uh, there's some there are some additional suggestions slash requirements relative to using the wound back codes and the debridement codes. So that's you can get a little more education there and instead of just stopping at the bundling edits for that particular set of codes. And uh, we're talking about AUA coding today. For those of you who are not familiar with AUA coding today, we also have a free trial uh, link in the episode page. So if you go to prsnetwork.com forward slash 166, you'll see a link to get a free trial of coding today, of AUA coding today. And that's when we when we refer to, to coding today on the podcast, which we do rather uh, frequently. That's what we're talking about. And you can go take a look at it. It's, uh, it's a great tool. It's what we use in PRS. We developed it. We we think uh, we put we put all the things in there that that'll get you 99% of everything coded. So uh, hopefully you'll give it a chance to and check it out. It does speed up the process. All right, let's end this uh, episode here today. Um, let's get some final thoughts. Uh, Mark, final thoughts. But we covered two topics that are you know uh, today. One, uh, a broader topic of incident two billing that everybody is, I, I don't know, not everybody, but most practices are now dealing with on a routine basis and developing a, a practice-wide r- approach and a process to make sure that you are following the rules of incident two is a, a, a really good idea and should really be part of an active compliance plan, making sure that you are monitoring the work and the documentation provided by the APPs does require some occasional educational chart reviews. So um, adding that into your targets and how you look at your uh, documentation to prevent those problems is, is an important part of the ongoing practice so that you can make sure you're not leaving money on the table and that whatever money you get, you know you're going to be able to keep. So um, I highly encourage uh, all of you to to spend time training that, uh, you know, just like physicians, your APPs don't always get all of the billing and coding training that they need. So it, But it's worth spending the time doing that given the the efforts that we now see for APPs. And then relative to the second, it's important to understand that sometimes you got to dig a little deeper. The the bundling rules, the statuses, all those things are are uh, things you have to look at. Though, but those, that's the top level. Um, looking at LCDs and LCAs, understanding appropriate diagnosis coding and uh, all the requirements relative to documentation are yet another big part of the practice uh, and the game that we have to play in the current reimbursement world. So don't ignore those LCAs and LCDs. Those are things that you need to check and they don't change often, but they do change occasionally. Ray, final thoughts. Uh, yes. For incident two, you need to 
not only understand the rules, but understand how to apply those rules, because every office deals with it. Everything in the office that is charged, whether it's performed by a physician, a PA, nurse practitioner, nurse, MA, everything that's chargeable is charged as if the physician performed the service or the PA or NP. And as Mark has clearly outlined how that works. So you need to understand that. And the second thing is, if you want to learn to code like Mark, you definitely need to go and really evaluate all the information about codes like we talked about the two codes in the Debrimont and the WoundVac. Our information came from Coding Today, the LCA, the LCDs, and, and the bundling edit. So if you want to code like Mark, you need to go check it out, all those that information. It can give you the comfort of knowing you are correct. All right. Okay. And I will remind you that the Urology Advanced Coding and Reimbursement Seminar uh, early bird pricing is available and is ending soon for Las Vegas. So if you want to get registered, we encourage you to get registered uh, as soon as you can. And you can do that again uh, if you go to the episode page or if you go to prsnetwork.com. Just right there on the uh, homepage, you'll see a seminar registration button. Uh, pretty easy to get, get registered for that. Or you can go to the episode page, which is prsnetwork.com forward slash 166. Um, finally, we'd like to thank ModMed for sponsoring this episode. If you're in the uh, market for an EHR or a practice management solution, we encourage you to check out ModMed. If you go to modmed.com forward slash PRS network, they have some specials for our audience. So encourage you to check that out. That's all for today. Mark, take us out. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery.